to the Unheard Story Podcast. I'm Laura Melama. I'm here with my husband, Joe. And we're going to talk today to Holly Newell, wife of Executive Director Josh Newell. We get to hear a little bit about Holly's story, how she grew up in a missionary family, and how she met her husband, Josh. We also talk about how they became full-time missionaries, translated the Jesus film in many countries, and then they share stories of their time in the field. Let's dive in. Thanks for joining us this morning. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and your family as we get started today? Sure. Well, um, my husband, Josh, and I moved to Florida in uh, August to take over the role of um, executive director of the Jesus Film. So to be clear, Josh is the director. I am just the lovely assistant. We have four children. They are 17, 15, 14, and nine, the first three are boys, and then we have a daughter, and we have a golden retriever. So we moved everybody everybody down here and um, have started this new role with Jesus Film, and it's really exciting. Wow, it sounds like you're really busy. <laughs> in a good way, in a happy way, yeah. <laughs> Lots of kids, a dog, all sorts of things going on. Mm-hmm. That's great. We'd love to hear a little bit about how you grew up and what you felt like called you into full-time missions. I know that you've had an interesting journey and we'd love to hear more about that. Sure. Um, My mom and dad were hippies in the 60s (laughs) and they came to Christ um, in 1971 during that wonderful wave of the Holy Spirit across the United States. They prayed just some kind of out there prayer one night at the back of a church all by themselves. And they said, Lord, empty us out. Now fill us up. And they didn't know what to do after that. But it just so happened the next day they were walking on my dad's college university campus in Pennsylvania, and they saw a fish symbol on a house. And my mom said, I think that has something to do with Christianity. So they knocked on the door and some Campus Crusade staff opened the door and invited my mom and dad in and discipled them in all the basics of Christianity. They basically started from zero. So um, as soon as mom and dad had enough of a faith walk, they applied to join staff with Campus Crusade. And that began the beginning of my story. I lived internationally for most of my childhood in the Middle East, in Amman, Jordan, and then in Singapore. And then um, we moved to Washington, D.C., where my parents were doing ministry on Capitol Hill. So I really had the privilege of seeing the Lord work in lots of different places. But I think for me personally, um, my faith became my own when I was about 13. I was dropped in the middle of a, a summer missions project of Campus Crusade high school students in my backyard in Singapore. And so even though I was pretty young, they invited me to join because my mom and dad were just down the road. And we were sent out in groups of three to share our faith. And I was asked to lead a group because I was a staff kid. I had never shared my faith before. I'd seen a four laws on the shelf, but I had never ever walked anybody through what it meant Mm -hmm. to know Christ personally. So (laughs) I basically basically faked my way through that first um, opportunity. And there was a, a girl sitting in the group listening to the story. And at the end of the time, she said, I want to invite Jesus into my heart. And I couldn't believe it, (laughs) even though I had known about this my whole life, um, to see somebody actually make that faith commitment. And her name was Doris. And so after Doris invited Jesus into her heart, she reached up and put her hand around her neck and she untied the Buddhist amulet that she wore. And she she gave it to me and she said, I don't want this God to contend, mm-hmm. contend with my new God. So, wow. so after, after that experience, I was hooked really pretty much for life. 
And how old were you? So I was 13 at that time. 13, wow. Yeah, and you know, I had my ups and downs um, in my faith walk like we all do, but I think um, the power of the changed life has always been really compelling to me. Hmm. So when did you meet Josh and how did you guys decide? Did you start with crew and then move to Jesus Film? Okay, so the story goes like this. Um, I had a degree in political science. And so what do you do with that? I took a, <laughs> a low level job on Capitol Hill and I was working there right out of college. And cool. Josh had an internship there for the summer. He still had a year left at Indiana University. And so we were introduced by mutual family and he thought that I was quite interesting. He knew that I loved the Lord. And so he would talk to me about faith things while he himself was not really walking with the Lord at all at that time. <laughs> but I, okay. didn't, I didn't know that. Totally fell for it, fell for him. Um, <laughs> and by the end of the summer, we had both really grown to like each other. And Josh had grown in his um, love for the Lord. So he went back for his senior year and he was really looking for asking for the first time, God, what would you have me do with my life? And he happened to hear Paul Eshelman speak. Um, Paul Eshelman is the founder of Jesus Film and one of the best speakers I've ever heard in my whole life. So when Paul mm -hmm. speaks, you can't help but act. And Paul said from the stage, we are looking for young men who are willing to go to the most dangerous parts of the world to record the Jesus Film Project. And we need you to be prepared that you may never come back. Wow. Josh was so excited when he heard that. He ran <laughs> to the, the, the sign-up room. He just thought, what better thing could there be to do with my life? And so after graduation, he spent his first year um, traveling the world, doing multiple recordings of Jesus film. And he, I think he was on every continent. You know, He had a real taste for, for what God was doing around the world. But we really wanted to get married. And at that time, they did not allow women to travel. So they made an exception for us and they allowed the two of us to get married and to become a recording team, just the two of us. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. So we were married and within a month we were, um, we went, they sent us to Malta for our first trip, which was fabulous. I think they did that so that we would be, we'd be hooked, <laughs> we'd be hooked in. Uh, we went to West Africa pretty much every trip after that. So we never, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> never saw Europe again, but, um, it was, it was just a fantastic way for us to start a marriage, to see a ministry, to kind of learn it from the grounds up. That would be exciting. Did mm -hmm. you, so how long does that take? So just the two of you would go there and record a language? So we would, yep. Sometimes we, wow. it was about three weeks we'd go and um, some places were really rough. I learned to take a king size sheet with us when we would go so we could wrap up in the king size sheet and we wouldn't have to touch, you know, any parts of the <laughs> mattress and things. But another amazing part of that, and, and only the Lord could have seen it, is that right about that time, Jesus Film started to partner with other mission organizations to send out more recording teams so that we could have more and more language versions done. Because at that time, I think Jesus existed in 400 languages. As you know, of course, now it's 1700 or more. So just to accelerate that process, they started to teach other mission organizations how to translate their own Jesus films. And all of the recordists that these other organizations sent were women. Well, they couldn't, oh, send, wow. couldn't send single women out with single guys. That just wouldn't have worked. And so Josh and I had the privilege of, of tra training these other women from the other organizations. So poor Josh was, you know, traveling sometimes with three, four other women on these trips, but I had a ball. <laughs> it was great. That's cool. I've, I didn't know that other organizations came in and helped record. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. 
well, if this is how we're getting it done faster. So for sure. So you went to Malta and then you said you took a number of trips to West Africa. What countries in West Africa were you visiting there? Oh, um, well, quite a few. We did Ivory Coast, Burkina Faso, Chad. We did a, lot, a really long stint in Ethiopia, which is not West Africa, but we really, I personally loved the continent a lot. Josh had a, mm-hmm. um, he, he was very, very sick at, at the end of that. Oh. So he had got malaria. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, so he was, he was ready for a break. They sent us to Asia for a while after that. So. Okay. <laughs> and you were traveling for a year? We did, we did. We did that for our first year. And then at that point, they said, um, after two years on an internship, we had to either decide to join staff full time or find something else to do. So we, we made the commitment to become full time staff members. And how did your role change then? What did you do after you did the recording? Yeah. And so then Josh um, and I started to report to Vili Erasmus. And I think we were just talking about that. You might have him on the podcast. He's one of the great heroes of the faith, a South African gentleman who was doing all the language production work in the Middle East. So as you can imagine, before you can send a recording team, there's a really long process of setting up the translation Mm -hmm. and the actors and uh, all the things that go into that process and doing it in the Middle East. Some of those, um, those language recordings would take years and years to, to find, wow. even to find enough believers that, you know, or people that would be willing to work with us to record okay. the different roles. So for example, we did one recording of um, a language that's spoken in the Middle East. I shouldn't say where, but um, we had to do it in the refugee group in Sweden. So we had to, you know, that's how we were able to find the voice actors. So it was, it was a long, complicated process, but we loved it. It was wonderful. That's really cool. So I would love to hear, as you've shared some stories with us, but what was the really challenging point? I mean, Josh getting malaria, that would be really challenging, but where did you really see a story of where God was really faithful? Mm. I feel like you must have so many of those, but is there something that really stands out that you could encourage us all with? I th- Putting you on the spot. No, no. I've been, <laughs> you know, so I think I see his his overarching faithfulness in the process. Um, so many of the things that we did were just foolish. And if I think if my my twenty five year old children wanted to do that, that I would, <laughs> I'd say no. Mm. But but God is so good, and He preserved us um, through through all of that. So, but specifically, I think the hardest season of our ministry was after our time in Florida. We felt really called to dig into um, field ministry, and so we went and lived in Paris, where um, Campus Crusade runs their Middle East and Central Asia ministry. And about that same time, they were developing Magdalena, which is the Jesus film movie for women specifically um, targeted for women from Muslim backgrounds. And um, so Josh was, was looped into that project of taking Magdalena to all the Central Asian nations. And he was on the road constantly. So it was a difficult time for me. I had three small boys at home at that time. And it was really hard for Josh. I think um, the the spiritual warfare was so intense. So they were doing things like taking Magdalena in Tajikistan into prisons, you know, really, really difficult things, women's prisons. And they would see 75% of the people there give their lives to Christ. It was wonderful and amazing, but as you can imagine, really exhausting too, the pace of that. Yeah. And you were at home. Mm -hmm. And I was at home. In Paris. So, I mean, you traveled a lot. I didn't realize how much you traveled as a child, but still, did you, do you know the language? I mean, did your kids, how did you do that? Did you end up homeschooling during that time? That had to be kind of a lonely time. 
it was a little bit lonely, but we were about 45 minutes outside of Paris um, in a little French village. I did not speak any French when we moved there, but I learned fast (laughs) and, and people were very kind. I have to say um, that they were patient with my attempts. So uh, yeah, we, it was a great way for the kids to grow up. We had them in the local French schools. Um, mm-hmm. we, and then we did some homeschooling so that the kids could travel with us. Cause we would go to the, some of the field places as well. So yeah, it was hard and wonderful all at the same time. Yeah. Did your kids end up loving to travel and have kind of a instant connection with what the Jesus film was doing or I don't yeah, know, I- how did that integrate? You know, I think, I think they do. I think we're seeing the fruits of it now. Yeah. I tried to protect them a little bit from, I think it can be overwhelming (laughs) if your whole life revolves around the mission field. So Mm -hmm. we tried to strike a good balance there, but um, one of our sons spent last summer on a mission trip in Asia and, you know, he just loved it. And so I think the Lord's given them that opportunity to see that a changed life really matters. Cool. So Holly, I'm just struck by um, this overarching theme to your story where every time seems that there's a danger or there's a risk to take you and Josh are saying, yes, we're signing up. (laughs) And it's just remarkable to me that that's, that's your story. It's very encouraging for me. Mm. What would you attribute that to? I know that um, you mentioned Paul Eshelman's talk Mm -hmm. and that Josh immediately wanted to sign up. Mm -hmm. I think that takes a kind of a special kind of person, but what would you attribute that to? Well, I think that I've just seen that the safest place to be is always in the center of God's will. And even as we process this opportunity to take the leadership role in Jesus film, I didn't really want to do it, but I didn't want to miss what God had for us. And I think that we've seen that the Lord blesses and he provides. So it's almost like I'm afraid to say no, if that makes sense, because <laughs> I, I don't want to miss out on, on what the Lord's doing. So with that in mind, and how do you do this? <laughs> you do have four kids. Mm-hmm. You are the wife of the director of Jesus Film. And as we've gotten to know each other, you are constantly learning and acquiring. I just feel like you're listening to podcasts you're telling me about or books that you're reading and just continuing to want to grow. And how do you fit all that in? Do you have, are you really scheduled? Are you like, how do you do this? Because I'm amazed with how much you, I know you attend seminars and you are just telling me about one the other day and just always kind of on the, the front of it all. So how does that, how does that happen? How do you do this? Oh, well, I think you've only seen the good side. So, but, but, but I, I appreciate the kind words. No, that's really nice. Um, so, you know, really, I feel like we are, uh, paddling underwater really hard all the time <laughs> and try, and just trying to keep up with what the Lord's doing. Um, but we have a great support network. Um, my mom and dad have been amazing. They committed to come and help watch the kids anytime we needed for this first year mm-hmm. of transition. And, and they've done it several times. So I'm so grateful for their commitment to that. And um, yeah, and I, I think that I do better when I have good input all the time. I really like having good books and podcasts and things that are helping me think well, because when I'm left to my own thoughts, they don't always go to the right places. So I think it's more of self-protection than self-motivation, just wanting to stay focused on what's important. Well, will you tell us some of your favorite? Will you give us like your top two podcasts and books? Sure. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) number one is This Cultural Moment, which is um, John Mark Comer, who's a pastor in Portland, and Mark Sayers from Australia. And I think they do an amazing job of 
articulating some of the challenges of um, secular Western thought and how to be a Christian in this environment. So mm-hmm. I love that. And then the other one is That Sounds Fun by Annie Downs. And she's one of the best interviewers I've ever heard until today. You guys are awesome. Oh. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, she just she's really good at bringing she out people's great. stories. Yeah, she is. So That's really cool. What about books? Because I know you seem to always be reading as well. Oh, thank you. Well, um, what are you currently reading? I just finished The War of Loves by David Bennett. And I love this book. It was recommended to me by someone that was on that mission trip that you and I were on recently in Mexico. And um, it's a by a, um, a man who was an activist in the gay community and had a radical conversion to Christ. And he does a great job of holding the tension between truth and love. Uh, one of the best books on the topic I've ever read. That's cool. Holly, I'd love to hear a couple stories from your time with Josh in the field and maybe some ways that you saw the Lord work um, either in a, the villages you're going to or um, how you saw God um, spread the gospel through the Jesus film. Mm, okay. Well, uh, the biggie that came to mind, I think the moment when I realized that God was working in an amazing way through the Jesus film was when we were in Ethiopia and it was early on in our travels and um, it had been raining all day. They loaded us into trucks and we drove around the villages announcing tonight there'll be a Jesus film showing and it did not stop raining. And these kids were out running alongside the trucks through the puddles. They had no clothes on because of course they had limited clothes. So like, why would you get your clothes all wet in the puddles? <laughs> um, but then we set up the, we got to the place where the setup was and the men got out of the truck to start setting up. And I, uh, they left to be alone in the car. And so I watched this whole thing unfold. They circled around, they started to pray. And as their heads came up, the rain stopped completely. And this unbelievable rainbow split the sky right to where they were going to show the mm, Jesus film. Wow. So that for me sealed it in my heart that <laughs> the Lord was That's in this thing cool. and, and accomplishing his purposes. Yeah. So Holly, what did the next five years look like for you with the Jesus film and just what you and Josh are hoping to see happen during this time? Well, I don't think we could be any more excited about what's going on. We, um, we're in a privileged position where we were handed an organization that was incredibly good health and moving in great direction. And so it's not like there had to be any adjustment. We just jumped on the train and and here we're going. And I think as we think about what's about to happen coming down the pike, um, what's always on my mind is that there are 2 billion people in the world that um, are about to come online for the very first time in the next three years. And these folks have a different framework than most of us in the secular West. The most important things to these 2 billion people are family and religion. That's just the way that their culture is. And so when they have access to Google for the first time, I believe the first questions they're going to ask is, does God love me? What does this look like? Um, They're going to be asking about God and family. And I think if we can get there first with our Jesus film tools, with um, with our blog, with all the different channels that we're developing, we can just see a tremendous harvest of people coming to know the Lord. Hmm. This is a total random question. Sure. What do you see the role of technology playing with the Jesus film? How do you see that um, impacting the next five years? Well, I think um, online is where a lot of this action is going to happen. I really believe, and I know Josh does too, that there's no replacement for person to person relationship 
that's the way God set this up. And that is what we want to support. But I think by having excellent tools and um, helping people be aware of them, that we can help them share their gospel in a meaningful way, especially in people's heart languages. So that's our task is to, to make sure that the tools we have are excellent and available. And then the other thing that is really exciting is that we're on track in the next five years to have the Jesus film available in the language spoken by 99% of the world. Wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, so this is in a really exciting time to be alive, to be offering Jesus to everyone. Okay, I'm going to add a question. Okay. So Holly, we recently went on a trip with you down to the Yucatan Peninsula and you brought your nine-year-old daughter and we brought our 10-year-old twin boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious... I know you've been on so many trips. How was that? Was this trip any different? Did it open your eyes to anything new? Because I can't imagine that you, I mean, you probably have learned so many things being on the forefront normally. So how was it kind of being someone attending a trip and bringing your daughter and being among a bunch of us who were were newbies? (laughs) How how was that trip for you? Was there anything that stands out for you or things that you learned? It was so fun to do it with you. And I just love your kids. They're fantastic. Um, I, yeah, so many things. Well, one, I think it never gets old to see people's lives be changed by the gospel. And two, having my daughter there with me and giving her the opportunity, I just kept thinking, this is the greatest privilege of my life, because what do I want more than to know that my children, you know, have a vision for the Great Commission and God's role in their lives. And I think I kept feeling tremendously privileged to be with the group that was doing the work. It was the message for the Mayan people. And, you know, we, we got to have the fun, fun part of it. And they do the hard work of it, of faithfully yeah. going after it weekend after weekend. And so to me, they are the heroes of the faith. Yeah, they were incredible. Mm-hmm. Holly, I've heard so many stories about God overcoming spiritual oppression, witch doctors, people who would want to disrupt these Jesus film showings. And typically what happens in those situations is the Jesus film people will understand that something's happening in the field and pray against that. And God does remarkable things and and prevents those disruptions from happening. Have you seen or heard any of those stories that you'd be willing to share? Well, I'll tell you one that I just heard last week, and this happened recently in Africa. There was a group that had gathered to show the Jesus film in a village, and the local leader said, "We are no one's going to come and watch your show tonight because our witch doctor has told us not to come. And his home is over there on the edge of town, and he's going to be watching to see who comes. Mm-hmm. And so the Jesus film team prayed, and they prayed, and they started the film as it got to be dark. And people gathered around to watch very few people, you know, they sort of snuck out of the darkness and sat on the edges so that people couldn't see that they were there. And as the Jesus film team looked up in the sky, they saw these lights, almost like fireworks coming into the sky from over where the witch doctor's house was. And so at the end of the film, some of the folks gave their lives to Christ and they were talking to some of the local people and they said, what were those lights in the sky? And the local leader said, well, that was our witch doctor. And he was sending curses on this film showing, but God had allowed it to continue and for people to come to Christ. And so I think that's just a good example of how the Lord protects the work that he's doing. Wow. And they actually could visually see that. They could see it. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's just remarkable to me, just how these, um, these people that are underneath this spiritual oppression will feel the tug of the Holy Spirit and go against the witch doctor's wishes. 
and <laughs> come out of the shadows. I, I just think that's such a powerful testament to how the Holy Spirit works. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And people are just so desperate to, to know the questions that we're all asking. What, what is the purpose for my life? So hmm, that's really cool. Well, thank you, Holly, for being on the show with us. It was so fun and interesting to hear your story. Oh, well, thank you for asking me. And I can't wait to listen to all the other ones you're working on. I love that you're doing this. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing from our guest today and how God is using the Jesus Film Project around the world. To learn more about our guests or the Jesus Film Project, you can visit our show notes on the podcast website. Bye.